Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Welcome, everybody, to our study. Today we are looking at 1 Samuel chapter 27 and chapter 28. Uh, before we begin, let's uh, open up with prayer. Lord God, you have caused all your holy scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, so we're looking at. Um, nobody's here. Nobody's here. Oh, y'all, y'all are over there. In. Um, so we're looking briefly. Um, I'll, I'll do a little bit of uh, recap and, and explaining here. Uh, try not to step on the questions too much. Um, the. But hopefully people found these questions uh, easy enough. Uh, our questions, uh, specifically six, seven, and eight, kind of blend together. Um, we'll, we'll see that when we get there. When we start addressing one, you start to see the answers for the other. Um, but so this picks up, our text this week picks up um, at some unknown part uh, time after last week. Uh, the questions that last week were raised were, would David uh, take justice into his own hands uh, with his, uh, uh, against uh, Nabal? Uh, would he lift up his hands against the Lord's anointed? That kind of thing. Um, but we see that, um, as we've seen in the last few weeks, that David has a pretty despite being a flawed individual, has a pretty good track record for trusting in uh, the Lord. Um, so uh, up, to this, up to this point, David's been portrayed as, a, as a, the kind of king who measures up to what God's standards for king is, while Saul doesn't measure up to what God's standards are. Um, David has trusted in the Lord um, in spite of severe testing and trial um, and this kind of thing. Saul, um, his life is governed by self-interest, by vindictiveness, by flagrant disobedience to God. Um, so in this chapter, we see, uh, I think we see David in a different light. Um, because uh, here, we're, they're, they're, we're going to see a, a breakdown or a failure on, on David's part, which we'll take up a little bit in the first two questions. Um, so we, in chapter 26, at the very end, David expresses his confidence that the Lord was going to, uh, that he had entrusted his life to God's care and God's protection. At the beginning of chapter 27, um, we see that David has become fearful of Saul, 
uh, he thinks that Saul's one day he is just going to get him. Um, and so he flees to the King Achish of, at Gath. Remember, uh, we met him earlier. That's the, that's the same king who play, who David went to and pretended to be crazy. Um, so he goes back there. Um, now he's not by himself, though. Now he has uh, 600 men plus their women and children. Um, so, and note that it, it's not, it, um, it isn't a change of events that has moved, has motivated him uh, to go there. It's not like something's happened. Um, uh, there's no external threat upon David that's moved him this way, um, specifically, nothing new. Um, it, it's something in David's mind. Uh, and we'll kind of maybe explore what that is. Um, so um, what happens, so David becomes a mercenary um, hired by uh, the king of Gath. Um, mercenaries that, uh, were used uh, during this time period, and, and it's quite well known. Uh, oftentimes mercenaries were political fugitives like David who, um, who used... Uh, um, their loyalty to their uh, the person who they were employed, their loyalty to their employer is based on, or is often based on their hatred to for the people who'd exiled him. Um, and you see this all all sorts of place in history. So, um, King Achish has placed his trust in David, and he he thinks it's completely. That that the the en enmity the um, the strife the conflict between David and Saul um, is something that he can put his trust in. Um, David is using this as an opportunity. He's using it as number one an opportunity to escape from Saul. Number two, um, he's um, using his he's he's been given a city Ziklag, um, and he's using it as a place where he can launch raids. Um, those raids are making him wealthy. <laughs> um, and um, he, he's also um, using his, as we'll see in the future, um, he's using these raids um, to um, curry favor with the elders of the tribe of Judah, um, his own tribe. Um, he's also using it he, you can we can also assume that he's using this chance to learn the military tactics of the Philistines and also learn their the the their latest technology um now we covered this last year but the Philistines um are technologically superior to the Israelites uh does anybody know why what's the technology the Philistines have that the Israelites don't Yep. Somebody, what? Iron. 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 That's the one. Yeah. The Israelites are using bronze, and the Philistines have figured out how to use iron. So they have iron swords, and iron, when an iron sword hits a bronze sword or bronze armor, iron is going to win. <laughs> so that's, so David can, David gets a chance now to see this. Um, 
he also gets to eliminate some of Israel's enemies by doing these raids. And by the our text tells us because he leaves no survivors, he was wiping out. David is uh, will attack somebody. Uh, the he's attacking the old enemies like the Amalekites, the people who used to dwell in the land. He's not. He's wiping everybody out, men, women, and children, so that nobody rats him out to the king of king uh, king Achish. Because what's he telling Achish? He's telling Achish, um, I yeah, I went and attacked. Uh, Judah over here, and I attacked this Judah city, Judah, right? So he's he's lying through his teeth to the king uh, because the, he knows that his favor with the king is dependent on the king thinking that he's turning his back on, on the Israelites, uh, but he's really not. Um, all right, and so um, we see... <clears throat> We see that the city of Ziklag becomes his home base. Um, um, so because of his fear of Saul, David has spent 14 or 16 months, a year and four months, um, being crafty and, and doing shady and, and lying and, and these kinds of things. Um, and... Um, a question we have to ask ourselves, and we will in the questions, is is, is David um, is David acting out of faith or is he acting out of fear here? Um, it looks like initially David's strategy seems to work. Saul stops looking for him. He's, he gets a town. He starts to collect a little bit of wealth. He has some success. But this success has consequences. And in chapter 28, we begin to see these consequences. These consequences immediately come when Philistia declares war on Israel. All right, full out war breaks out between these two. And now David and his army are going to be expected to go out to battle with the Philistines against Israel. And David, very... Um, 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 very ambiguously says, you will know what your servant will do. Uh, uh, you will know what your servant can do. Um, is, there a, is there a more colloquial way to say that? Um, I'll show you what I got. Let me show, I'll show you what I got. Yeah, that's right. You know, you know that you're, uh, 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 yeah, so. You will learn what your servants can do. I'll show you what I got. That's exactly right. That's what he's saying. Very ambiguous, right? Um, <clears throat> but but Ziklag is like, oh, sure, you'll be my bodyguard. All right. So so what will happen to David? Uh, this can, can you feel that the, the writer is building this tension, right? David, and, and immediately what happens? The episode ends, roll credits, the preview for next week. Is about King Saul. And then you watch the next week's episode. It's all about King Saul. And you're still left wondering for another week what happened to King David, right? Uh, that's, or, or David. That's, that's the tension. That's the kind of tension that's being done here. And the author is going to go back and forth between, uh, between Saul and David for a little while as we near the end uh, of the book. So now we switch to Saul. And the events here, Israel, uh, uh, the events, uh, um, um, 
So the Philistine forces are, are attacking, are, 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 have mounted, war has been declared, and Saul sees the army, um, um, and um, he completely is freaked out. He, um, he musters the army, and he says, verse 5, at the sight of the Philistines, Saul wasn't afraid, indeed struck to the heart by terror. This is the Revised English Bible. Uh, he is very scared. Um, and so he attempts to contact the Lord. He, he tries, it says he tries Urim, and he tries prophets. He tries every, uh, he tries going to sleep and hoping he gets a dream. He, and and uh, there's nothing. It, it's dead silence, radio silence. Um, so, um, we get, Saul then goes and inquires of a necromancer, a, um, a, a person who consults the dead, um, um, a, a, a medium. Um, so because God wouldn't speak to him through the normal way, means, he's got to take extraordinary means because he doesn't want to, because he's, he's just that scared um despite the fact that our text says that he was um he was against the mediums he 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 went and, and uh, wiped them out so um so saul goes at night um uh, and he goes in disguise because he doesn't want any this me, uh, medium to know who it was she, she's cautious at, at the beginning right and, and but eventually, um, Saul uh, says, interestingly, he uses the Lord's name in vain um, because he uses the, he swears by the Lord that he, he's not going to harm her for breaking the, one of the Lord's own commandments. <laughs> um, so, um, so um, in exchange, in, in, so in the, exchange between the medium uh or so so the medium then calls up the the spirit the ghost of samuel no sooner uh now this is not a demon that the woman conjures this is god has allowed the the spirit the soul the ghost of samuel to appear to the woman um in, in these kinds of um uh in these kinds of events um the ghost doesn't normally appear and speak. Um, uh, the way these are usually told is that the the medium hears murmuring or chirping of spirits and listens to them and then interprets them. However, the spirit of Samuel is not murmuring, it's not chirping, he's speaking not to the medium, but directly to Saul. Um, uh, and the, the fact that she's actually able to conjure a spirit up in front of her um, totally and completely freaks her right out because um, uh, either because uh, of who, who it is. And as soon as Samuel pops up and she knows which Samuel uh, pops up, she figures out, oh, the only person that the prophet Samuel would ever appear to is the king. This has got to be King Saul. Um, and, and then she fades out. Uh, and Saul and Samuel uh, have a discussion. 
uh, Saul recaps uh, what happens to or what's happened to him and why he's asking him. Samuel, just as grumpy as ever, <laughs> asks Saul, why have you disturbed me? Um, I was in a good place. Now you brought, you know, now I have to look at, deal with you again. I, right. Um, he's, he's not terribly happy to see Saul again. Um, and even though the Lord allows the spirit of Samuel to appear, the spirit of Samuel doesn't tell him anything he doesn't already know. The only detail that's given is that when they go into battle, Saul and his family are going to die and they will quote, be with him. Um, so, um, Saul then is, um, very distraught at the, the end of, of this, uh, this encounter. And, um, the, um, and then, and, and the story ends with, with uh, a note that Saul, the medium, uh, gave him some food. Um, and uh, I'm not going to go into any application right now because I think most of my most of the application and, and, and gospel nuggets that come out of this, um, we'll, we're going to discuss as we get into the question. So that's a recap for you um, of what's going on here in this text, and we can look at the details as we as we go through. Okay, so let's go back to. Um, Let's go back to 27 here. And, and what, are you, what are your impressions of the David's experience among the Philistines in this chapter um, and the beginning of chapter two? Uh, what do you think about this? Um, why do you think that David is comfortable going back to Gath, especially after what happened last time he was here. What do you think's changed? Well, one of the oh. notes said that, one of the notes said this could be not the same Akish, it could be the son of Akish. Ah. A different guy. Yeah, that, that, that would, uh, yeah, just like you would have, you know, Elizabeth the first and Elizabeth the second or, or some such, right? Um, or Louis, right? There are 14 generations of Louis. <laughs> uh, uh, if not more. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's definitely a possibility. Other Saul thoughts? was a common enemy? Yeah, Saul was a common enemy. Things have... Um, whereas... Um, when, when did Saul go... When did David go to Achish the first time? When he was seeking refuge from Saul, or, or not, not refuge, but but safety from Saul. Right. So, so some time has elapsed, right? Because remember, last time, it was immediately after the rift between Saul happened, and he and he hit the hills, right? Um, so it was early on. So some time has passed now. Now every the whole world knows that Saul's got uh, 3,000 troops traipsing around Judea looking for, right? You can't hide that. Um, 
so now it's out there that David's an outlaw. Um, and so perhaps uh, it's a, it's a, um, now he feels he can try again, especially with 600 men, right? Um, when you're, it's, it's easier to make requests when you have 600 men with you <laughs> than when you're by yourself. Yes. Any yeah, other thoughts? In, in what are your thoughts 12, about? Go ahead. Yeah, in verse 12, it's also noted that Akish um, was under the impression that David was no longer welcome in Israel. That's that right. He really had no home there. That's right. And part of that is precipitated by him, Akish, thinking that David's been attacking Israel for him, too. Um, but yeah. Uh, that, that certainly applies. Any other thoughts? What, do, what? Any other thoughts about this move by David? What did you think about it? Well, the big one is, is, is he never consulted God about it? <laughs> that's, that's, um, is that moving into, um, Good answer. that's, that, that's in the next, that's in the next question. Let's, See these questions um, easily go into one another. So let, let's jump into that. So you, so um, so uh, is there any calling upon the Lord in these two chapters? No, 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 not at all. Um, <laughs> what does that suggest about David? He's relying on his own strength. He's pompous. He's he's full of himself a little bit because he knows what he can do, and he's and he's not relying on the Lord to uh, to advise him or help him. Well, so, his, his his faith is wavering too because if you yeah. look at the second part of the first sentence in chapter twenty-seven, now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul, and yet. The previous chapter, God promised him that he wouldn't. That's right. Um, so, so um, there's there's a we think that generally he's showing fear, right? This is this is fear. Um, who does he remind you of? Somebody who starts out trusting God but gives way to fear. Peter. 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 Yeah. This is this reminds me of Peter when he's walking on the water, right? He he starts out trusting in God and he or trusting in Jesus and walks on the water, but then he sees the circumstances around him, the wind and the waves, and then he, he starts sinking. And Jesus he's, you know looks at him, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? <laughs> um, right? Um, that's well, he kind of reminds you of us too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's, um, um, and that's what the, the last bit of that second question is getting at. Um, to think of a time in your life, when you took an action and you didn't do it based on faith. You did it. You, you, something else was motivating you, fear or some other thing. Um, how did that turn out? And usually they don't, those, when you, we act like that, it doesn't usually turn out good. Um, and so it's, this is important, this is an important point to see, um, that 
your circumstances, if circumstances can be bad. I mean, how, how many years is David on the run from Saul uh, playing Robin Hood, right? Fearing for his life. Um, sure. That, that can get you, that can get you down. Uh, he, yeah, he trusts in God. God's shown his hand, but just because he's seen God's hand in his life doesn't mean he doesn't give way to doubt sometimes. Uh, and that, that's us. That's, that's exactly, and Gail's point is right on that. That's us. Um, we can have a strong faith one day and completely doubt the Lord the next day. Um, um, and, and that's why, um, making sure that we continue to hear God's word, we continue to go to church is so important um, because um, that's where we're going to be reminded, hey, you need to trust in the Lord, um, no matter what your circumstance is. Um, yeah. Actually, Pastor, I thought he was very brave. He was going somewhere he wasn't familiar, and in that way, he could be a witness to um, a foreign country. There, that, that, there is um, a minority of, of commentators, but some commentators do take it that way. You're not out in left field. That is the other possible reading of this text, um, that um, David is out there um, and, and the Lord, he, and he, he is trusting in the Lord. The text just doesn't tell us that. And, and he's out there. Um, uh, yeah, so, and that he's being uh, brave. So, yeah, uh, th that is definitely a, a one way to understand this story. Um, absolutely. Which is the correct one? I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I think, I think David's acting not out of, I think David's acting out of fear here, but it could be read the other way. Absolutely. I think I got it kind of both ways because I felt like he had confidence in the Lord in a sense. That's why he went, but he was also scared. And don't we do that too? Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I would have felt like. And he didn't really have a lot of options because <laughs> Saul was really on his yeah. know, tracks. I mean, you know, you, you can't kind of stick around if you, you know, Saul's right there. They're going to take you down. Like he, didn't have much of an option and yeah because it says the best thing i can do yeah right um <laughs> as we continue to think about what david's actions here let's go into uh question three here how does david support himself while he's in while he's in this territory <laughs> the loot from his conquests the loot from his conquests That's absolutely <laughs> Um, he's a pirate. He's a pirate. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> um, how is David being deceptive? 28-2. He evades the truth. He doesn't tell Akish what he's really doing. That's right. Um, and, and why do you think David's lying um, to Akish about his raids? Because he knows he's going to be king of Israel, and and that uh, will at that point put him as an enemy of the Philistines. That's right. Um, what other potential reasons could there be for his lying too? He's shrewd. He's a double agent. 
Yeah, <laughs> and he's, yeah. he's actually starting to build his empire for when he does become king. Right. That's right. Um, later on, um, uh, later on in his life, there'll be a reference to um, some alliances that he has, which might have popped up because he took because he was um, because of this this, this time in his life. Um, but um, he's networking. He's networking. Um, <laughs> but notice, notice here, verse um, in twenty-seven. Um, verse 11 and David would leave neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath thinking lest they should tell about us and say so David has done what's what's he worried what's he worried why is he worried there that's a question for you well he doesn't want any like at least to know he doesn't want achy yeah that's right so um what could be the relationship then between these nations who he's attacking and Philistia. They could be allies. Allies. Allies, yeah. See, he's 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 there attacking Philistia's allies, being um, being supported by Philistia, um, and saying he's attacking Israel. Um, He's a, he's a smooth operator, this guy. He's smart. He's a good, he's a brilliant tactician. Um, he, he can see, he can, he, he's, he knows what he's doing. He, he's planned this out and it, it mostly works for him, doesn't it? Wouldn't that uh, eventually clue in that these allies are missing? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, this story doesn't go on long enough to, to give us that, that eventuality. Um, but some people start to become, you'll see uh, when we come back in the new year, that some people don't, don't, aren't, aren't deceived by David in the Philistine army. Um, and and uh, it, it actually works in his favor. Um, um, so... Think about how God's caring for him while he's in this in this territory. Um, uh, why? Uh, so let's assume for a second that that David's not trusting the Lord. God cared for him while in foreign ter territory and guarded him from sinning because he genuinely wanted to see God's honor and his people's good. Can you? And the question here is. Uh, can you rely on God's care and guiding in your own life? I had with question two that God sometimes continues to guide us, even though we haven't asked him for help. And, and in retrospect, a person can say, oh, yes, you could see God working yeah. through through your life. And then you realize, oh, and I didn't even ask. And, you know, that right. sort of uh, maybe is the same thing that David That's is experiencing. That's that's that is exactly exactly uh, a point that I wanted to make. Absolutely, um, God, you see this in the life of David that even when he doesn't ask for God's help, God is still guiding his life. Um, and, and so the question is then, what should we do now that we now that we know this? 
and, and maybe we can look back on your, you can look back on your own life and you can see God guiding you in different places, different times. Uh, the question then is, what should you do knowing that? Knowing that God is guiding your life, even when you don't ask, what does that, what is, what should you do about that? Thank and praise him. Thank and praise him. Absolutely. What else? What other things should we do? Submit pray. to him. Yeah, sub submit to him. That's that's good. Yeah, pray. You, you, we should we should we should call on him more frequently, right? <laughs> to, to help us, you know, if we know that he's guiding our lives and we can see evidence of that in the past, maybe we should ask his for his help and guidance more often. <laughs> um, now, a lot of times, you can use that when you're witnessing to a new Christian or an unbeliever and, you know, who really questions God's uh, influence in your life, you know, you can go throughout your life and say, yeah, here is, you know, where God helped me and, and he will do the same for you to trust mm -hmm. in him. So it's a, it's a good tool for witnessing. Absolutely. Now, any, any other thoughts but on that? Yes, I would like to take exception to the fact that uh, you said David didn't sin. Did he not sin? Oh, of course. He, well, he how, did, how did this, how did you say this here? Uh, about not sinning. He guarded him from sinning. Yeah. I don't know if that, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> I think he was human, and uh, he was scared. And he right. Was, yes. And uh, now, I now, think, but but, but you, guys, you guys realize that I, I'm not inventing these questions, right? There's no, a, I know. <laughs> that's why I, I. That's why I have a, a bibliography at the end that tells you where I got said questions. I'm just picking probably, the best ones out of them. Um, yeah. Um, the person's probably dead. I can't argue with the, whoever said it first. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but no, he definitely is sinning. He definitely is sinning, especially by lying and deceiving, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if it's to save his hide or not. You, we shouldn't be lying and deceiving. Yeah, uh, that's what I wondered. Yeah, yeah. Um, he... Um, killing children. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, that, that there's the the moral the moral ambiguities of wiping out of uh, of genocide. Um, uh, they don't have the Geneva Conventions back then, do they? <laughs> um, no, but when when that did happen in the past, it was usually because God told them to. That's yeah. right. But yeah. God hasn't this, told him this. To do God this. wasn't He's, telling him to. Except except for which one do we know? Which one do we know that God had commanded to be wiped out? Amalekites. The Amalekites. So he probably knows about the Amalekites. Yeah. Um, and he knows that Saul didn't do it. <laughs> so, um, and in fact, we do have, um, God did ask good command through Moses that all these little nations be wiped out. Um, um, so so there, there is, that is on the books um, as a thing that God wanted. Um, but David said he did it so that they wouldn't squeal on him. That's right. <laughs> David is David's worried about his. He's worried about not being squealed on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
it, it, you know, you read this and, and you wonder, at least I wonder, why hasn't somebody tried to make a faithful adaptation of this? Because it would be good, <laughs> right? Um, uh, can oh, you yeah, imagine? I can, I can still imagine David and his men sitting sitting by a fire one night, you know, in Ziklag, <laughs> downing some wine, laughing at at the, at how great they have it and how stupid the king of Akish is, and you know. Uh, you, you can so see David's uh, reveling in his ingenuity, but at the same time, constantly in, in fear of his life. And this brings us to question four. Um, what's, what's the, we're, we're coming to a, a crossroads, a big climax in the first, in first Samuel and, and in David's life. What is that crossroads? Achish expects David to attack his own people. That's not quite the crossroads. That's the complication. That's the second part. <laughs> but what's the crossroad? Death of Samuel. No, death of Samuel happened last time. Um, it's recounted again in here, but the very first words of chapter 28. It's the war. Say we're going to fight against Israel. That's right. It's the war. This is um, there. Uh, the Philistines have declared war on Israel, right? They're they're the so it's not a cold war anymore. Now the the war's heated up, and now it's out and out battle. That is a turning point in this book, and we're we're going to see a little bit why as we go on um, in the in the in the story but this is a big turning point. But hadn't they been fighting all along? Yes, but um, it's, it's, it seems to be skirmish here, a raid here, a raid there. Now it's, you know, they're gathering their full armies and they're gonna, you know, big battles. When, when David killed Goliath, it was army against army. That's right. And Saul kind of, that's why Saul came up and, and they were they were battling, and it seems like maybe a, 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 a ceasefire, maybe for a while, that had taken place, and now the, it's getting the the war is heating up again. Uh, at the war, at the very least, you could say that there is a gigantic for, uh, a gigantic battle is coming. If you if you conceive of this whole thing as a war that's been going on since uh, since you know since Saul became king. Um, then, then we're about ready to have a big battle, um, right? Uh, whichever way, that's the that's the it's the the mustering of these forces to, to fight against Israel is is the big turning point here, and that's what we'd see. Um, Just a question: Was sure. there any? Because it seems as we follow through the Old Testament that the Israelites were either slaves or they were constantly at war. Was there ever a great length of time where they kind of lived in peace? Yes. <laughs> yes, there is. And it's a great question. Um, um, in history, um, where this, if you're wondering where we are in terms of year, David gets crowned king in 1010 AD, 1010 AD. So we're, we're 
BC. BC. Thank you. Thank you, BC. <laughs> um, uh, BC. Um, so we're, we're approaching that. We're, we're, we're probably, uh, our text is probably uh, 10, 11, 10, 12 BC, something like that. We're getting close uh, to, that, to that year. Um, before this, um, it, it, we, we covered this briefly at the very, very first lesson when we started uh, um, the life of David back last year. Um, so I don't expect you to remember. So um, God has a way with the time. God knows history better than we do. We are the way when, when the kingdom of Israel pops up, the answer to your question is the, the time, the period of, of the golden era uh, uh, where the, where they live in peace and prosperity is the reigns of, of uh, David and, and Saul, David and David and uh, uh, Solomon, Solomon, yeah. David and Solomon is when um, is that that two generation golden era. Um, the only reason why they're able to have that two generation golden era is because the Egyptian empire fell. This, the whole, this whole region used to be con like controlled by the Egyptian empire. When the Egyptian empire retreated from this area, it left a power vacuum and all these nations are now fighting the, the Philistines and all these nations are fighting each other for control of this land. And Israel gets a chance for a couple generations to actually establish a kingdom. But shortly afterwards, the Assyrians come and then the Babylonians and then the Romans, and, right? So they had this one in history, if there was going to be a kingdom of Israel, you had this one little time slot where it was possible and that's where it happened, um, right? There's your history lesson for the day. Um, um, so um, in order for the kingdom of Israel to be established and have that golden era, they need to fight all these little rinky-dink countries the, all the ites, the Hittites, and the, all these ites, all the tribes, in order to establish themselves. Well, once they do, and they have, they do that under David. Um, uh, they have that golden era of David and Solomon. Um, so that, that's a good question, and it kind of orients us to where we are. It, God, God does this. He knows exactly the right time. Why does Jesus come in the New Testament? Well, because there was, you know, part of the reason is uh, the Roman Empire had a whole system of roads much better than our roads. Have you seen, have any of you seen the, the, the memes on Facebook where it talks about <laughs> Roman roads, how we, we make roads and they don't last like five years and the Romans made roads and 2000 years later, they're still around. <laughs> when we were in England, we were on a Roman road that had been built hundreds of years ago. Right. And so you have these, you had this big system of roads and that allows the gospel to go out into the whole world. God has a timetable um, and, and uh, things happen exactly when he wants to. Um, so that, that's a good background question. Okay. And then Mark has already noted the potential complexities. And what's David going to do? Is David going to side with the Philistines in the battle? David's in a, in a very precarious position. Okay. David Let's move on to question five and we'll move on to, to Saul. Um, question five, how does somebody inquire of the Lord? What's the proper way to do it? Prayer uh, supplication. That's right, prayer. 
yeah, uh, through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, Not absolutely. Um, in the Old Testament, what would have been the proper way? Go to the priest, the priest. Or, the, or the prophet. Yep. Yeah, the priests or the prophets. Bring it off with you. And if you had sinned, what would you do? Kill a cow. Kill a calf. Kill, kill, kill something. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> kill something. Bring blood. Kill something. <laughs> right that's kind of thing we're right we, we we got it um um why does god detest mediums and spiritists oh is they're calling on the dead they're calling on the dead instead of calling on god absolutely that's right um they kind of, they're putting it, their trust somewhere else they're putting their trust. Even in though they else. are trusting in God, they're trusting somebody else or something else. And often, and, for them. And, and, and often, what are they trusting besides the dead? But often, what are they really trusting instead of the Lord? Themselves. Themselves. Oh. And? The Satan. devil. The devil. There we go. We got it. Um, the, the devil. Um, which commandment? Now, put on your Lutheran hats, go back to catechism class, confirmation. Which commandment covers uh, witchcraft? Second. Or satanic arts, as the new version puts it. Second commandment? The second commandment, which is? Will not have false gods. Uh, no, that's the first commandment. But that applies too. Take the name of God in vain. That's right. You shall not take okay. the Lord, the name of the Lord your God in vain. That's right. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not lie, swear, curse, use witchcraft in his name, but call upon him in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Right? Um, so... Um, that's uh, a good commandment to, to remember in this chapter. Um, does God say in the Old Testament, don't call upon spiritists because they don't work? No. <laughs> That's not what he says, right? We have to keep that in mind. Sometimes we think, oh, it doesn't work or it's lying. And that might be true. But could they be actually tapping into spiritual forces? absolutely absolutely they could if somebody says i'm spiritual but not religious um they very well might be spiritual um it's but are they tapping into the holy spirit or some other spirit um that's a question okay but why does it say then in leviticus uh do not seek out for you will be defiled um and you should stone them uh, if you put put your trust in them that that's right because well we we covered that so he doesn't say he doesn't say that they're not it, it doesn't work he says you're not supposed to do it because um by doing so you're placing your trust in something other than god and his word okay. and ultimately um god has not told you to do that right uh uh okay um yeah um and as we can see, God can use God can use anything to get His message across. He doesn't promise He doesn't promise to use anything. Um, 
uh, and uh, oftentimes, so the, the surprising, well, we'll get, we'll get there. Uh, so in how does Saul respond to the, that military situation? He's scared. He's full of terror because he's estranged from God, right? That's right. And, and so what does he try to do? He seeks the Lord. He seeks the Lord. He does. He tries. Why doesn't God answer him? I think it's because he was using God like a genie. And whenever he needed a favor or help, he would ask God. And the rest of the time, he trusted in himself. It's a good. It's a good analogy. Absolutely. He he's not. He's not in. He um, what hasn't he done? Um, internally, what hasn't he done before he's called to the Lord? Submitted to God. Submitted to God. He hasn't repented. <laughs> he has not repented. He wants God to save his save his skin. He doesn't want to die. Right. It, it's completely self centered. Could you say he's a hypocrite? He does says one thing and, and does another. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Um, um, yeah, but he he's got that kind of religion that you know there's no atheists in the foxholes kind of kind of <laughs> religion, right? Um, that's the kind of religion he's got. And he's in a foxhole and he's crying out to God, but he just doesn't he just doesn't want to be. Uh, he just doesn't want to die. He, he doesn't he wants to save his own skin. Well, since the practice is forbidden by God's law, why, here's a question, why does God allow the spirit of Samuel to appear before Saul at the, and the medium at, at, of Endor? Because Saul just wasn't getting the message otherwise. That's that's probably it. He's just not getting the message. Is it one last chance for Saul to repent? That is always likely. With God, that's that's that's. I wouldn't put. It doesn't say that in the text, but no, I can't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put. Why would God proclaim law if not to cause him to repent? Is it is it like the the parable of of the rich man and Lazarus, hmm. and uh, um, you know the rich man says just give me a drop of water just to cool my tongue, and Lazarus says sorry uh, can't can't get there with that. Well then send send the word to my brothers that they won't do the same thing as as I've done. Um, is there any connection? Well, it's it's very similar, right? He, remember, they Abraham says to Lazarus, "Oh, they, he won't. They won't believe even if someone goes to them from the dead." Right. Um, and, and here's an example. Here's an example of that. Um, yeah. Now uh, you are free to think that this is not Samuel. That is a common interpretation. It goes back to the early church. Uh, some interpreters think that this is a demon appearing to to Saul instead of Samuel. Saul, um, Saul says that it's an, it's an old man with a robe on. And <laughs> can Saul be so messed up psychologically that he's, he's imagine, not imagining this, but seeing 
anything other than what it is? Um, well, I, maybe. Um, but that I mean, doesn't make sense because he rips the robe. Yeah, he ripped. Well, he, he knows the robe because he ripped it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. that's what I mean. It all ties it's, in. And that's, yeah, that's the robe. There is his. Um, it's his prophetic mantle, right? It's yeah. it's, a, right. it's a liturgical garment, something okay. like I will, you know, akin to my stole or something. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Right. Uh, it, it the stole when I have a stole on, it's the sign of my office. Uh, right. Um, this this is something similar going on here. He's got the stole on, and you oh I yeah. Um, the text though calls him Samuel. Uh, my okay. assumption is if it wasn't Samuel, the Bible would tell us. Has, the Bible yeah. has no problem telling okay. us elsewhere when spirit, especially in Samuel, when the spirit's up to something, the Bible doesn't have any. It doesn't. And, and besides um, the 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 spirit of of Samuel tells him exactly what God's word says, right? Uh -huh. um, I think it's I think it's the soul of Samuel. Uh, some people might think it's a demon. Um, the other thing, Saul wouldn't have taken it seriously if it probably wasn't Samuel, the one person that earlier he had put all his trust and confidence and everything. It, if somebody else from the dead would have come back and said that, then Saul would have been playing the hit and miss game and maybe saying, well, maybe not, maybe this right. will happen. But the fact that it was Samuel in his mind that was really god speaking to him through samuel now let's let's it's, a, it's virtually word for word what was yeah. was said a couple of chapters back too right. yeah yeah that's just that's question six so let's go to there okay. um uh so let, I, let's read that prediction again um i'm gonna pull it up here for those who can see it um 24 yeah um, so Sam, Saul, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord, uh, and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return for you. For you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned to go away and Saul seized the skirt of his robe and tore it. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel away from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Um, so then um, here in uh, 6 through 11, um, uh, as, as, as you note that it's... Um, uh, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up and he tells, uh, uh, the Lord has done for you just as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. That's the, by, by now, uh, the reader and Saul know who it is. Um, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you today. Yeah. Um, so um, why, the question I, I ask here is, why would such a prediction result in the physical and emotional collapse that's described in verse 20? Immediately Saul 
fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And he had everything no strength. That, in everything that Saul had worked for all his life was going up in smoke. There would be no dynasty to continue, no legacy. Uh, he was the first king of Israel and he was a failure. And maybe he suddenly realized this. And God and, doesn't know, change I, I his think mind. Saul was trying to uh, reach out to Samuel to get some comfort for the anxiety he was feeling about going into battle. And Samuel basically told him, yeah, you, you're, you've got every right to fear because that's the way it is. There was no reassurance there at all. And, and, and no hope. And no hope. Yeah, no hope. No hope. Why does God choose to speak like this to the king? And he knows that's the only way Saul will listen. That's that. That's the yeah. Absolutely, it's the only way he'll listen. Sure. He has to be blunt, <laughs> right? And trust in Saul that God was in command, and that you know, um, because of Saul's lack of trust and, and faith in himself, um, God was you know going to show him that God was all powerful, not Saul. So, um, and that, that, that's very true as well. Now- And maybe uh, it's to show us. At, well, yeah, absolutely. Every, everything in the, uh, Paul says everything written in the Old Testament was written for our instruction, right? Um, so uh, this is where, um, this is where um, um, our, this is where we get some of our uh, understanding of, of the proper distinction between law and gospel. What does Samuel preach to uh, Saul? Law or gospel? Law. Law. Right? Law. There is no hope, no promise. Um, and that's the way it goes. You do not proclaim the gospel until <laughs> the law has done what? Showed you your sin. Showed you your sin. So, um, it's not just that it, it, it sh it, the law showed. So Samuel here show, the, preached a law, and it shows Saul his sin. Why doesn't the gospel follow? He was no, moved to repentance. He was not moved to repentance, and the same thing is true. Um, uh, um, it, it's different on a Sunday morning because I can't. I don't know if you, the people sitting in the pews are moved to repentance or not. So I preach both every Sunday, right? Does it make sense? But if you're doing pastoral counseling and somebody's not is refusing to repent, you don't give them gospel because you, they, they, they need to feel, they, we need to feel the, the terror of God's wrath. And it, before we can uh, repent, uh, we, right. You need to, feel the fact that uh no no you've broken god's law and he's devastatingly angry with you that's that the only point, way you understand the gospel that's the only way you're going to understand the gospel exactly um um and um what does think about saul here um um so so why do you think this is kind of re retreading this. Um, what does what else does Saul learn here? Um, 
from Samuel? This future word. Yeah. And that God doesn't change his mind. That God does not change his mind. Absolutely. Um, and um, in what future is, is that? He's going to die, and so are his sons. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, I have wow. a question about that part, because uh, Samuel says, you will be with me. And yeah. well, well, where is he? <laughs> is this <laughs> Saul's going to a good, well, presuming. No, remember, um, remember uh, um, several weeks ago when we did our study on uh, uh, the, our last study in the uh, Christianity Unpacked study series thing. We, I, um, in the Old Testament, everybody went good or bad, went to Sheol, or at least that's that's how it's that's how they understood it. Um, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So um, Sheol is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. Uh, whether you whether you whether or not you're in a good or bad place in Sheol depends on depended on whether or not you trusted in God in life. Um, and, and you see that in the rich man and Lazarus, which uh, George mentioned, right? They're both in the same place. And there's a, uh, it's got two compartments, right? And there's a, there's a chasm between the two. Um, but in the New Testament, in the, so in the, in the Old Testament, both good and bad, righteous and unrighteous, are said to go to the same place, Sheol. In the New Testament, though, we're no longer, that doesn't, that, that's not the way the New Testament speaks. The New Testament speaks of all of the righteous um, going to be with Christ. What's, what's changed? What's the difference? What's happened in between? Christ has died for our sins. And? Risen. From the dead. And risen, right? And risen. Christ has yeah. died. Uh, descended into hell, rose from the dead, and ascended into, went back into heaven. That's the difference. So now, um, we're, believers are described to, as to be with Jesus in heaven, kind of thing. Uh, whereas in the Old Testament, um, that hadn't happened yet. So it, either their understanding was was um, the light. Uh, there's two ways of looking at it. It's either a real difference, either they literally were in one place and now they li were literally in another place, or it, it's, uh, this reflects their imperfect understanding of things. Uh, both are possibilities. Uh, but the God's people in the Old Testament that trusted in God, are they now with Christ? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's that. I, I think that the new, from what the New Testament tells us, that's that's pretty clear. Absolutely, that would be res, uh, if if I was going to go to a passage on that, maybe uh, Hebrews chapter, uh, what is it, eleven, or um, the great hall of faith, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, right? Yeah. Um, and and then the 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 past two readings, All Saints yeah. Day from Revelation. And the one from Thessalonians, uh, both seem to imply uh, that there's this group, gigantic group of people in heaven and they're the dead who've passed on. Good question. Uh, 
well, I feel kind of sorry for Samuel. I saw bugs and so much, and he's going to have to see him that in a short order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sam, Samuel wasn't all that happy about being there. No, no. Well, just imagine you—you you know, you're you're in heaven, you know, and and, and everything's hunky dory, and you've got to come back to this one, you know, the one guy who you you know made your life miserable and wouldn't listen to you, and you know, he, of course, he wasn't happy to see the guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, because remember, it says that for the rest of his days, he, he, he grieved Saul, right? Um, yeah. Um, so moving into question eight, uh, what should Saul have done instead of consulting a medium? What should he have done when he heard Samuel? Repented. Repented. Yeah. That's right. He simply refuses to repent. Who does he remind you of? If, if David is Peter... Who does who does uh, Saul remind you of? Judas. Judas, right? He's just refusing mm -hmm. to repent. Um, what does Saul's final reaction reveal about his psychological and spiritual state? He's lost. Yeah. Spiritually. Yeah. I think he's Completely. grasping at straws too. He's going to yeah. try everything. Yeah. Well, first, he'll try this route, then the next route, then everything save of repenting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you can't can't do that now. Um, and what what lesson does that give us today? What lesson do we draw from this? Sorry, Bob. <laughs> don't don't tempt God. That's right. Yeah, and repent now. You might not get another chance. <laughs> that. That, that's the point. Repent now. You might not get another chance. Um, what does God do to his word to Saul? He removes it, right? No word from God means no chance to Dude. repent. If God doesn't preach his law to you, if God doesn't preach his gospel to you, if you don't have access to God's word, right, that's um, uh, barring some exceptional circumstance or something. Um, but if you don't, if God withdraws his word from you, if you have a famine of his word, that's a sign of his displeasure and anger. Um, so um, that's, that's a very good point. Trust God now while his word comes to you week in and week out, while you have Bibles on your shelves, uh, and, and while the, the law keeps being preached to show you your sin, don't follow the example of Saul. Repent now, um, and you, you won't see a grumpy Samuel later. <laughs> All right, what would you select as the, the, the chief verse of this section? Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear, and his strength was gone. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Yeah. I go to 20, 28 verse 3. Your maidservant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and did what you told me to. So she's the, the medium is respecting 
is respect of respectful of the king of Israel as Mary was respectful of Gabriel when he announced that uh, she was going to, to bear the, the, the savior. And she said, I am the Lord's servant. Is that taking the stretching it a little too far? A little bit, but Saul is a Christ-like figure. He just, he's a terrible one. <laughs> right because uh-huh. he, he he's he he's called to be the, the be that and he just falls flat in his face doing it um i might pick um maybe 28 verse 1 simply because it sets the tone for the whole thing in those days the philistines gathered for war to fight against israel that's what's perpetrate that that's the that's a big that's the big hinge here. And it, 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 it pushes what it, it, it holds together chapter 27 and, and holds, moves into chapter 28. Are there any lingering questions that you might have about, about these uh, two chapters? I thought it was funny that the uh, witch of Endor killed a calf to feed Saul. Well, I wonder why that part was put in there. Yeah, it, the commentators it, it are all seem, over the over the place. Yeah, on that. yeah, it seemed uh, strange, and I was kind of thinking, "Young girl, the whole package. You get dinner <laughs> and a show." Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it maybe, maybe it was like one of those chocolate bar. Yeah, maybe it was like one of those chocolate bar uh, commercials where. Saul was hungry and he just wasn't himself. So they had yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was acting like Joe Pesci. I think the movie with Robin Hood and Kevin Costner, this reminds me of that. Oh. <laughs> yes. The, 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 yeah. The, the, there's. Um, and and uh, this scene with the Witch of Endor is some of the inspiration behind Macbeth and the three. Yes, that's uh, where. Yeah, uh, that's where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, probably Star Wars. Where it comes from. Yeah. <laughs> this is. Uh, the of Endor has the Ewoks on. It. <laughs> yeah, it's Star, Star Wars Endor. Yep, that's right. Well, oh, the, the old the old He-Man cartoon wasn't there also a Witch of Endor in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, um, she so, got a lot of traction. So, are we going to end or what? Sorry. All right. So, uh, once you want, like, like I said, we're off for we're off for two weeks, and then we start Advent services, and then we'll uh, um, we'll pick up. We'll pick up with, um, I'll probably get the questions out to you before Advent so that you have time to look at it. But I'm thinking we're probably going to do 29, 30, and 31. I'm not sure. I haven't looked. It might be 29, 30, and then 31, and then 1st, 2nd Samuel 1. Um, um, yeah, I might do it that way. But we're nearing the end of 1st uh, uh, Samuel here. Uh, so that'll, so, all right, well, let's, let's pray. And we're going to pray. I'll pray the, um, prayer that I, uh, gave you in your notes. That prayer is from our, 
catechism on the um, our new one um, uh, on the, um, the 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 second commandment. Holy Father, purify our lips from every misuse of your name by cursing, swearing, witchcraft, lying, or deception. Open our mouths to reverence your holy name, calling upon it in every time of trouble, praying for what you promise to give, praising you for your glory, and giving thanks to you as the giver of every good and perfect gift. This we ask in the name that gives us access to you, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.